0: Genesis chapter 22, the test of faith. This is a great chapter, a great moment in Abraham's life. No, I am not running. My watch thinks I'm running, must be the music. Okay, maybe my heartbeat's going, I'm thinking, wow, this guy's really on the pace today. No, he's not, okay. Genesis chapter 22, if you would stand with me, As we read, very good. The first service all went, oh. It was like, wait, you guys sound like the Israelites in Egypt. Take us back. Go make us stand up again. You get to sit for an hour and a half this morning. It's okay. We're good. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship, and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand, he took the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father? And he replied, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, Go Excuse me, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy. Or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named the place, The Lord Will Provide. So today it is said, It will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, this is the Lord's declaration. Because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. Abraham went back to his young men and they got up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham settled in Beersheba. Let's pray together. Almighty God, in these trying times that we find ourselves in, we find ourselves in a generation like every generation before us, challenges, tests to our faith, tests that are meant to strengthen our faith, not weaken us. Challenges that come to you from you, To us, to grow us, to make us look more like Christ. So, Father, thank you for those tests when they come. Thank you for caring enough about us to challenge us and to, to grow us, to sharpen us in our faith, to sharpen us in our knowledge, and to shape us like him. Father, what we do not know today, I pray you would teach us as we dig into your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. As we look into the text this morning, the whole of chapter 22, or at least most of it, we just see the very first verse, that after these things, God tested Abraham. This is the greatest test of his life. This is the test of faith. If you think back to his journey when it began back in Genesis chapter 12, we see early on God calling him to leave his land, leave his family, leave his culture, his language, leave everything that he knew of at, the point, at that time, to go to a place that God would show him, a place he didn't know where it was, he just knew God was going to show him. And then along with that, through that journey, God would promise him that he would become a great nation, that he would bless him and his descendants would be as numerous As the stars in the sky. That promise is repeated multiple times through his journey, through chapter 13, 14, 15, up to the point of chapter 22. That great promise is renewed. Fresh from Ur, having traveled through Canaan, God would appear to Abraham or Abram again, promising the land to the offspring, the land that he could see. He promised that very land to his offspring. And there, the great patriarch built an altar to the Lord in the land, and he worshiped God. Lot went with him on that journey, and I said that a couple of weeks ago, that Lot would cause some trouble along the way. And yet, even still, through all of that hardship, God would deliver Abram and delivered Lot and renew that promise one more time. To where Abraham could look around 360 degrees and God said, this land, your children will take this land. This will be their place. This is the land of promise or also the promised land. Sometime later, after Abraham or Abram had rescued Lot, God called Abraham to look up into the sky at night. Abraham was worried and stressed about his offspring. Still no child, still no promise realized, and God would call him out of his tent and look up at the stars at night and call Abram to, to count them if he could. There the promise would be made once again. God would say, so shall your offspring be in Genesis 15, 5. And then we get verse 6 where it said, he believed the Lord and God counted it to him as righteousness. He trusted God in that moment and for the journey ahead. Friends, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Abram was becoming more certain by the day that God was going to answer this promise. He was certain that he was going to have a son. As time progressed, Abraham would have a vision, and in that vision there were animals That had been sacrificed and yet it's God passing, only God passing over and through and around the animals that were sacrificed. There we see that it is only God's sovereign presence and power, his unconditional promise and covenant that would make this happen. There's no other outside influence coming in to make it happen. It is only the Lord And when he's 99 years old, Abram, Abram is still being prepared by God for this covenant that's coming, this this realization of of a child, of an offspring that's going to happen that he had promised. Then we get the, the covenant of circumcision, that what is happening on the outside must be the reality of what's really happening on the inside. That's where God was concerned. He's always concerned about the heart. And God changes Abram's name to Abraham, the father of many, signifying the old man is going to be fruitful. The nations and kings are going to come from him. He also does the same with Sarai. Her name becomes Sarah. She's a princess. She's going to give birth to Isaac eventually, but through her and through Abraham, not Hagar, but through her and Abraham, Abraham. That line is going to be blessed. Ultimately, the king of kings is going to come from that. But before he comes, the son of laughter is coming. And his name is Isaac. And as God bestows those new names upon them and the sign of the covenant is instituted, Abraham and all of his house are circumcised just as God had commanded that that, that Abraham obeyed God in in that command. During those long years of this great promise, waiting, the expectation, the longing for it to happen, God was stretching Abraham. He was strengthening his faith, strengthening his resolve to trust God in all of that. Now, there are certainly high peaks, high moments where Abraham's faith is unmatched. And yet there's also low moments, such as when he lied about who Sarah really was, telling Pharaoh and Abimelech that Sarah was not his wife but rather his sister which is a half truth but a half truth is still a lie of course there's the issue with hagar and the unrest at home for the time that they're there there's it's not all it's not all a fairy tale mostly caused by the fact that abraham and sarah are getting ahead of god's timing but then comes this test isaac is born With great joy, he's welcomed. Ishmael and Hagar are sent off. God's gonna take care of them, but they're sent away because the promise is coming through Isaac, not Ishmael. And then comes this test, and we read in verse one, and these things, God tested Abraham. After these things, God tested Abraham. That serves as a cushion for us, really, to kind of cushion the shock of what comes next when God calls Abraham to take his only son, Isaac, and sacrifice him. Now, some of you may be wondering or even freaking out, what do you mean? God tests my faith. You mean God tests me? Absolutely, God tests us. If He's not testing you, you should be worried. Consider it great joy, James told the church, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect. So that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. If we shy away from the testing of God, we're shying away from maturity in our faith. We're shying away from becoming more and looking more like Christ. What James tells us is that these tests are a challenge to our faith. It's a positive test, a test that is you that God would use to make our faith genuine. And to test the genuineness of our faith. What is the result of that test? James says it's steadfastness. A life that is faithful in endurance amid troubles, amid trials, amid afflictions. That we're standing in our trust of who God is and who he's called us to be in Christ. And that his plan for us in Christ is the best place to be. The center of that will is the best place to be. And as God would test our faith, it is stretched and grows. I hated conditioning when I was in football in high school. I absolutely hated it. And it's the one thing my coach would preach more than anything else. We're going to be the best conditioned team in all of South Texas. We're going to win every game in the fourth quarter. Well, we didn't quite win every game, but the ones we did, we typically won in the fourth quarter. But here's what I hated. Y'all know how hot it is here in South Texas in the summer, in August, Man, we were, I mean, it's hotter in George West than it, than it is here because we have the water around us, but mercy, there were some days in August, we were out there 105 degrees and it was hot. We'd been out there for two and a half, three hours running drills, doing all this stuff. And then he comes up, all right, boys, get on the line. And we're like, wow, I've got nothing left in the tank. We'd run gassers across back and forth. And he'd say, okay, today, first day of summer practice, we got an eight minute jog. And we're like, eight minutes. Wow, I can't even fix my lunch in eight minutes. Because I eat so much. Next practice, 10 minutes. Next practice, 12 minutes. And we would get to where we were doing a 20-minute jog by the end of summer football. You never thought we'd be able to make it. But sure enough, when time came, all that coach had instructed us physically was happening. The reserve was there. I never thought it would happen. I remember my senior year. Halftime, I was tired. By the end of the fourth quarter, that tiredness was gone. It was amazing. What what I'm talking about physically is what happens to us spiritually when God is testing our faith. Every test builds upon another. What What we've been through already, we can now look back on and see God was faithful then. God is going to be faithful now. I am not moved in my trust of him. God has not moved. God is not changing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what happened yesterday... What happened in his word is still today. He's going to act the same way. He's not changing. His character doesn't change. He is who he says he is. And because he's brought me thus far through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. I can look forward to what's coming. This is the test of faith. This is why he tests us to increase our faith. We must exercise that faith. I've heard some people say from time to time, God won't give you more than you can handle. Please Google that and tell me where it's found in the Bible. You're not going to find it. In the context of temptation, God will always give us a way out. That's where they're pulling that from. But temptation is different than a test of our faith. The testing of our faith is meant to challenge us. It is meant to make it hard. It is meant for us to look to him for the answer, not to find it within myself. That test is called for me to look and say, okay, wait a minute. My son, the one you promised, you want me to now take and sacrifice. I'd echo the sentiments of one of my brothers last Sunday evening that said I he didn't think he could do that and I'm I'm inclined to agree with him I don't know that I'd give my son either any of my sons I got four of them and I could spare one I suppose but (laughs) just kidding boys if you're listening don't go tell them after they're not in here they're back there in the kids area don't go tell them what daddy said you haven't met Matt and Jake yet, so you can't, I know you can't reach them. All right. Anyway. But you get the gist. Man, that's a tough call. Take your son, your only son, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah. It's sacrificing. There's three simple imperatives that God tells Abraham in verse 2. Take, go. And offer him it's pretty pretty high calling a tough challenge for a man as old as Abraham is at this point well over a hundred Isaac's probably in his early teens maybe a tweeny, but he's not a little infant right scripture says he Abraham put the wood on his back right so he's not a little kid Take, go, and offer him. There's some other places in scripture where God calls people like this to do hard things. One of those would be Moses. We'll get to Moses in a couple of weeks. But Moses is called to lead God's people out of Israel, I mean, out out of Egypt, out of slavery, okay? He's reluctant at first, when that that calling in, in Exodus 3 and 4. But he goes... He stands before Pharaoh and demands Pharaoh release God's people. There's the plagues that God uses to harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will release. But there's the Red Sea. I mean, here you, you're leading this massive of people and you come to a body of water and you, you feel trapped. You feel stuck. You're like, great, now what? And yet here comes God. Moses, puts your staff in the water. Watch what happens. Walk through on dry land. Only God. Get to the other side on dry land. What happens? Waters come back. Totally wipes out Pharaoh's army. Only God. Time and time again in the desert, in the wilderness. Even standing on, the, on the, the greatest moment, standing on the edge of the promised land, the 10 spies go in. And you've got men like Caleb and Joshua. Excuse me, the 12 spies go in. But 10 of them come back and say, ain't no way. But Caleb and Joshua standing there, believing God, trusting God. Sadly, the majority won out at that moment and they spend the next 40 years dying off in the wilderness. But Caleb and Joshua trusted God. Can you hear them? Come on. Can't you guys remember when we crossed the Red Sea? Don't you remember what God did in the plagues? Don't you remember what God has done for us back there? And now we have this beautiful land, this promised land before us. Let's go. Let's go. He will fight our battle. You got guys like Gideon who had a great army and yet God said, "Mm, it's too big, Gideon. Let's, let's dwindle that down a little bit. Let's, let's shave some numbers off here. And so then Gideon's called with 300 men to stand around the camp at night with their torches and give a great shout and holler. And watch what God does as he delivers Gideon and the people of God. Or what about when Joshua leads the people around Jericho, right, sound military uh, uh, strategy there. Let's walk around for a week and let the enemy know we're coming. Let's not have a surprise attack at all. But we're going to walk around the city for a week. And on the seventh day, we're going to give a great shout. And the walls are going to fall down. Strange. And yet God makes it happen. Time and time again, when God calls us to hard things, God is the one who makes it happen. When we simply trust and obey. And that's what we find in in Abraham. The answer to this calling and to this test is always obedience. Look again. God calls him, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land that I'll show you. Verse 3, so Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. When it comes to the test of our faith, we need to approach this as an opportunity for growth, which means that we work out our faith, and, faith, and that work out, working out is found in obedience when we obey God's call upon our life. There's no, okay, I'll go, God, but first let me do this. Jesus said, you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Delayed obedience is still disobedience, and so let's be obedient and walk in obedience when God calls us, when he calls out to us. When we're in that test, when we're in that trial, you stay faithful and obedient and walk in that faith. This three-day journey that Abraham is on with Isaac and the other two uh, young men you get to wondering where, where are his emotions? Where, where's his heart? Where's his mind going in all of this? I mean, as a dad, I, I, I just, I don't want to go there. I don't want to think about that. But we always, you can't let your emotions win over truth. The truth is he believes God. He's believed God for a long time. And so his emotions aren't going to win out over the truth that he knows and the trust that he has In God. Abraham knew what God had told him to do. And if you look in there, he states, We are going to go over there and worship and we'll come back. But where where is Abraham in that? What is the truth that he's thinking? I believe the author of Hebrews helps us in Hebrews chapter 11 because he specifically mentions this moment in chapter 11, verses 17, 18, and 19. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. He says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Okay, what we're about to read and what we've already read, he totally offered up Isaac. He had him bound on the altar. The the dagger, the knife was raised to sacrifice his son. That's about as far as you can go without carrying through with it. Okay, he offered up his son Isaac. He received the promises and yet was uh, was offering his one and only son. He received the promise. That was Isaac. He received him. He was there. He was born and yet he was offering the one his only son, the one to whom it had been said, your offspring will be traced through Isaac, okay? He considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead. Therefore, he received him back, figuratively speaking, okay? Isaac didn't die on the altar. We know that. So figuratively speaking, he's come back. This is an amazing truth, an insight into Abraham in this moment, That even if God had not spoken to him like he did, and like he will in the story of 22, he believed God would still bring Isaac back. What astounding faith and trust in God. The question for us this morning, when it comes to trusting God in this test and obedience is, what does your scale look like? You remember the old, I can remember... a couple of old stores in my lifetime where they had those scales. I remember a science class learning about different weights. Let's take it at that. You remember the, the scales of justice, sir? You can imagine that old scale that tips back and forth, okay? On one side of that scale, you've got things like common sense. You've got affection, human affection, emotion. And you've got ambition, your dreams, your lifelong ambitions. And yet on the other side, You've got trust in God. Where is that for you? I hope that it's obvious that we're leaning and weighing heavily on the trust in God. Trusting God through the fire. Trusting God through those dangers. Through the valley of the shadow of death like the psalmist David would write. Do you trust him to step out of the boat like Peter if he called you to? Not only is there that initial obedience, but we still see in Abraham, back to the story in Genesis 22, we still see this, this continued obedience. As gut-wrenching as it was, when, it, when little Isaac or mid-teenage uh, Isaac says, hey, pops, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? Isaac doesn't know, but Abraham's like, God's going to provide it. But mm, you just kind of, there's that heart tug, that heart pull right there. God's going to provide it. And that's where we see, yes, God will provide. He will provide the substitute. This is another moment for Abraham. Is he going to continue in obedience as he binds his son's hands and his feet to the altar? Is he, yes, he's continuing in obedience, even to the point, as I said, where he will raise the knife. That God will provide that substitute. Verse 10. As he's reached out and he takes the knife to slaughter his son... Then a voice from heaven and the angel of the Lord, the messenger of God, calls out to him and says, Stop! Don't touch the boy. Don't harm him. Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac will go on at this point to live happily ever after. But this moment, this test, is one of the deepest truths of the Old Testament that's in this moment. It it shines one of the brightest lights on what is coming in the story, as it unfolds, this one key moment, because this, I believe, points us forward to look to Christ and how God would still provide a greater substitute than the ram caught in the thicket. The Lord will provide God uh, is named of God. That's the now the name here where he uses this, this place. In verse 14, Abraham named that place the Lord will provide You probably have heard that, Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh Jireh. That's the Lord will provide. That is a profound name for God in this moment. God will provide. That's the trust that Abraham had. That's the, the truth that Abraham believed. God is going to provide that substitute. God will provide in every test, in every trial, in every challenge that comes our way, that will strengthen our faith. God is going to provide. That's what He does. That's who he is. And in this moment, he provides the ram caught in the thicket. Now, how does it point us forward to Jesus? Well, there's some similarities in Isaac and Jesus. Now, Isaac is not Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. He's a type, a prefigure, if you will, but he's not complete. There is no complete figure of who Jesus is in the Old Testament. We get little glimpses along the way of the one who will come, that Redeemer. But here's how, how, some of these, are, how these two guys are similar. Well, Jesus faced a sacrificial death at the hand of his father, just like Isaac, okay? Jesus took the wood to his death, just like Isaac carried his wood to the altar. And like Isaac, Jesus had questions about the plan. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, Can you remove this cup from me? Not my will, but thy will be done. That's where the similarities stop. Because for Jesus, there is no ram caught in the thicket. Why? Because he is the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world through his death. He was the substitute. Romans 8.32 says that he, God, did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. That's exactly who Jesus was. And with faith, Abraham has shown us if we could somehow raise, come to that level of faith and obedience that he, that he set pretty, pretty high. But this faith that he showed us, we, we can long to get to that level. Lord, test me. Where's the challenge? Like, will I answer the call? Will I answer the challenge? Will I answer the test when it's issued to me? That I would be faithful like Abraham was faithful. That I could, be, that I could walk through the fire like he did. Come to the edge of sacrifice, not literally sacrificing my son. We don't need to do that. He didn't need to do that. God wasn't about child sacrifice, by the way. He was going to sacrifice his son. It's all pointing forward to Jesus. And we understand that none of us this morning have fully obeyed God the way we are supposed to. We've all fallen short. We don't trust everything that God has said at some point in our life. We're failing. We're doubting. We're questioning, maybe trying to bargain with God, maybe trying to weasel our way out of a difficult test of our faith. But yet we are called. I pray you will receive the call and the challenge to walk by faith and not by sight. And I also pray that you will hear that you have a need for a substitute, that God has answered that call, that need with his son, Jesus Christ. We needed a lamb. We needed a substitute. And when John the Baptist looks out and sees him coming, he says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John knew who he was. He was trying to point everyone else to him. And as we come to the table in a few moments, I praise God that we get to celebrate this morning the time of remembrance where we take the bread, the bread that symbolizes the body of Christ Jesus on the cross, pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. And then we'll take the cup, the cup of the new covenant, sealed in his blood, the blood that cleanses us and purifies us from all of our sin, that washes us white as snow. We needed a substitute. We needed a substitute, and that substitute is Jesus Christ. The Lord has provided. Friends, we can see a couple of things to take home this morning in our text, and let me point them out to you quickly. They are as true as they were in Abraham's day, and they are still true for us today. First thing you got to do is you got to hear him calling. You got to hear him. Every time God has spoken to Abraham, his reply has been, Here I am. Are you hearing God? Are you hearing him speak to you? When we open up his word, we say, Here I am. And if you're walking this faith journey, you've got to come to the word of God. You're not walking if you're not reading and studying you can't hear from God if you're not in his word this is how we hear him today and when we read his word we respond yes Lord here I am we hear him not only do we hear him but we got to remember the promises of God and the word of God which leads us to trust him we've got to trust him that's exactly what Abraham was doing he heard God he trusted God he believed God We believe in Jesus Christ today. Up to this point, Abraham knew that God had answered his promises. He had Isaac in the flesh. And now, as God called Abraham to sacrifice that promise, yet we see that faith carried out. We see that command obeyed. And God providing one more time. He trusted God was going to work based on the promise. Friend, God is going to work based on the promises of his word still today. Hear him and trust him. Finally, we hear the call to obey. Obey. When God calls you, here I am. Don't say, no, I won't. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. One way we're going to obey him this morning is the observation of the Lord's Supper. We are commanded in the New Testament as a church to observe this together as a family. And to remember what Christ has done. And we're going to do that. We have obeyed this morning by gathering to worship and lift our voices high. And singing the praises of God. We have done that. There's one more call when we walk out the doors that we go into our mission field. Let's keep obeying him. Here's the big big picture of this as we leave. James chapter 2. James is not talking about salvation. He's talking about what happens as a result of salvation. What are the... What's the reality after salvation? And he says, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. Abraham believed God and it wasn't just words. He showed his belief through Isaac on the altar. Show your belief by obedience. Let it be there. Let it be there. Salvation is by grace through faith, but we are called after that moment to put up or shut up. If you've got faith, then put it to work and obey. Hear him call, trust his promise, and obey through the journey.